0: This morning, will you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Last week, we started to walk through the opening verses of the Gospel of John and read and meditate on John's version of the Christmas story. Normally, when we think of the Christmas story, we think of Luke chapter 2 and we think of Joseph and Mary traveling to Bethlehem and then Mary giving birth to Jesus in the manger. And certainly that is very much a part of the Christmas story, but John approaches it from a little bit different angle. And John takes us back into eternity past and reminds us that that child that was born and laid in that manger is the son of God is the eternal word who was with God from the beginning, from before the beginning, and is in fact himself God. This morning, I want to focus our attention on verses 4 through 9, where Jesus is described as both the life and also the light of Christmas. I want to begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 9. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we have the privilege this morning to focus our attention on your holy word and on your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom in your eternal plan, your eternal wisdom sent into the world to be our savior, our redeemer, to be our light, to rescue us from the darkness of our sin and the penalty of death. Father bless the time that we have this morning in focusing on your word and may your spirit do his uh, important work that only he can do when your word is proclaimed. And Father, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the eternal word. He is the one who has been from the beginning. there with God at the beginning of creation. And I have no doubt that when John says in the beginning, he wants our minds to flash back to Genesis 1 verse 1 where it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so Jesus was there in as the second person of the triune God. In spirit, there with God, the father from the very beginning of everything. In fact, he is eternal. He has always existed and always will exist. John also showed us that this eternal divine word was somehow the same and yet distinct from God, the father, because we read in verse number one, that the word was with God. And that communicates the idea of there's a distinction there. And there's a relationship between those two persons. But then he goes on to say that this word was in fact, God. So in a, this is the mystery of the Trinity, isn't it? That, that somehow in a way that only God can fully comprehend there is one and only one God. Christians are not polytheists. We are monotheists. There is one and only one God. And yet somehow within that unity of oneness of the one Godhead, there is also distinctions of persons and roles within the Trinity such that the son can relate to the father and the spirit can relate to the father and the spirit can relate to the son. There is this uh, interrelationship within the triune God. And then John reveals to us in verse three, that this eternal word that later John will reveal became flesh and became human and lived among us. This is Jesus Christ that in verse three, he is the agent of creation itself and that everything that exists, whether you can see it or not. And that includes the things you can see, but also the things you can't see like subatomic particles, but even things you can't see that are in the spiritual realm. Jesus is the agent who created them and brought them into being. And John makes sure that we understand that when he says through him, that is through this eternal word, all things were made. So he states positively everything that exists is here because of this eternal divine word. And then he says, from the other perspective, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So he gives us both sides of the coin to make sure that we understand that universally, inclusively, everything that has been created is here because of Christ. And then he says in verse 4, in him, still talking about this eternal divine word, who is a person who came to us in the flesh. This is Jesus Christ in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And so what I want us to think about for a few moments is where John reveals to us in verse four, that Jesus, the eternal word is life. Jesus, the eternal word is life. Now, what does John mean when he says in him, in Christ was life? I think one thing that he is pointing to and later in the gospel of John is affirmed is that Jesus, the eternal word possesses independent life. So when he says in him was life, it's not that life was bestowed to Him, but it is that in that eternal divine word, He is inherently, independently life. No one had to give to Jesus life. He has always been life. He has always been living. Jesus makes this clear later in the Gospel of John in chapter 5, verse 26, when He says, For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And so the father has life in himself. That is the father, God has independent life. But so does the son, he says. So also the son has life in himself, independent life we as human beings do not have independent life. Our existence, our being is derivative, isn't it? It's dependent. It comes from outside of ourselves. Even in the physical realm just a purely material realm, we would not be here without our parents. Right? So in the, in the physical biological sense, someone else gave us life. We, we did not create that independently on our own. We were dependent on someone else for the life that we have. But even higher than that, beyond our parents, we know from the scriptures that the source of all life and the sustainer of all life is ultimately God, isn't it? And here John is revealing to us that Jesus, the son, has this independent life. So we need someone else to give us life. Jesus does not need anyone else to give him life because he has independent life. And as someone who has independent life, someone who is eternal, someone who is all-powerful, he has the ability to provide all creation with life. And so when John says in verse 4, "...in him was life," I think he's probably intentionally wanting us to think back to verse three, where he said, through him, all things were made. So going back to Genesis one, when God said, let the, the land bring forth life, the agent who accomplished that was the one in whom life was Jesus. The one who has independent life, inherent, self-sustaining life, is able to give and provide life to everything else. And so Jesus brought creation, all living things, into the world. John 1.3, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Paul says in Colossians 1.16, For in Him, that is in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Jesus, the giver and sustainer of life. Hebrews 1.2, the writer of Hebrews says, In these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So not just here in John, but in Paul and Colossians, in Hebrews, we have ample testimony that everything that exists is here because of the life-giving, creating power of Christ. In him was life. And so I think John is pointing us backwards to verse 3 the life-giving power of Christ in creation when he says in him was life. But I think John may also be pointing us forward as well in his gospel, because he says next that, that this life was the light of all mankind. And so John is pointing us backwards to creation, but he's also pointing us forward to, the, to, re, to remind us here in the beginning, to kind of give us a, a foreshadowing, if you will, that this eternal word not only brought physical life, universal life into existence, but he will be the source of spiritual life and eternal life for his people. So the eternal word provides his people eternal life. And, We get that in verse 12, just a few verses later, when John writes, Yet to all who did receive him, that is receive Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to receive spiritual, eternal life. Remember that passage that we read a little bit earlier from John 5, 26, where Jesus says in the Son he has life in himself. Well, this is what he says in that context in John five twenty four. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's talking about the giving of spiritual life in the heart. Jesus, the Son of God, who verse 26 says, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus, the Son of God, who in him was life, has the authority, has the power, the ability to say to dead hearts, to those who are spiritually dead, rebellious in the darkness and death of sin, Jesus has the power to say, let there be life. And there is life. And those who are dead in their trespasses and sins are made alive, Paul says in Ephesians 2. So Jesus, the eternal word, provides his people with eternal life. So Jesus, the eternal word, is life. But we also learn that he is light. Jesus, the eternal word, is light. He says in verse 4, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How is Jesus the light of all mankind? Well, first of all, again, I think John wants us to read backwards for a moment to verse 3. Verse 3 reminds us that through Him, through Christ, all things were made. So in Genesis 1-3, when God said, Let there be light, and there was light, that was Jesus. Because the eternal word brought light into the darkness at creation. Can you imagine a time when... There is a world, there is a planet that is in total, complete, absolute darkness. That was the world that existed at the end of Genesis 1 verse 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But verse 2 says that earth was still without form. It was still unformed and unfinished. There was more filling and shaping to do that world was complete darkness. And the very first thing that God spoke into it was light. And throughout the rest of the Bible, and really in almost every religion, there is this metaphor of light and darkness for good and evil, for life and death. And it's there in the scriptures as well. And the very first thing that God brought into existence into a dark world was light. He spoke the word. Who is the word? The word is Christ. He spoke the word, and light came into being. And so, in one sense, Jesus, the eternal word, is light. He's the light of all of creation, He is the light that brought light into the created world. But also, John wants us to think about what's about to happen. And the context in which he is writing in terms of the enfleshment, the incarnation of this eternal word. In verse 14, he's going to say this eternal word became flesh, became human and dwelt among us. He's talking about the incarnation. And at that moment, at that time in which the son of God became human and was born into the world through the Virgin Mary, light came into a dark world, didn't it? So at the very beginning of creation, God said, let there be light and the word brought forth light. Then at the incarnation in Bethlehem, God said once again, let there be light. And the eternal divine word was born and brought light into this dark world. Also, we learn in verse 5 that the eternal word brought, when he brought light into the world through his incarnation, he brought a light that will overpower and did overpower the darkness of sin and death. John one five says this, the light shines in the darkness. That's kind of a truism, isn't it? That that's where light shines light illumines darkness. And when light comes into the darkness, it pushes back the darkness. But here, John is revealing to us that he's not just talking about natural light and natural darkness. He's not just talking about light bulbs or, or candles the sun, the moon. He's not talking about just physical light because he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it or overpowered it. Some of the translations here, and I want to point this out and talk about it just for a moment. Some of the translations here, instead of having it say overcome have the idea of not comprehending it. So for example, in the new King James version, In verse five, it says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So which is it? Is it the darkness didn't understand or comprehend the light? Or is it that the darkness did not overpower or overcome the light? Well, essentially what we're doing here is the same word. There's no difference of Greek word. The issue is that this Greek word, has the idea of overtaking something. And in certain contexts that can mean taking into it knowledge. And so you're, you're overtaking, you're you're kind of consuming knowledge, understanding, but in other contexts, it means to overtake in the sense of conquering or prevailing, which one, what's the sense that John means it here And translations go both ways. Well, in the context of John one, we have a little bit later on, for example, in verse 10, where it says that Jesus was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And so you could make the argument that in the context of John one, he's talking about understanding reception that people living in darkness didn't see comprehend the light when it came into the world. And so there's a case that can be made for that. But the only other time in John that this word is used this way is in John 12 verse 36, believe or at verse 35, sorry, John 12, 35. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. And in John 12, 35, all translations understand it to, to mean overtake, to conquer. And I think that word and the way Jesus uses it in John twelve thirty five should inform the way we understand it in John 1, verse 5 which is why I do prefer the translation that the darkness has not overcome overpowered the light. What's the significance of that? Why is it important? It's important because when Jesus came into the world, he was guaranteeing victory over the darkness. Jesus is the light, right? Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. He's the light that shines to all mankind. And he was coming into a dark and sinful, a corrupt, a rebellious world, wasn't he? Well, why wouldn't that darkness, why wouldn't that evil, that rebellion, that power, why would that not overpower Christ and defeat him in his mission? Christ could not fail. Why? Because he is the giver of all life, isn't he? Christ could not fail. Why? Verse 3, because he's the creator of everything. Christ could not fail. Why? Because he is God, verses 1 and 2 say. So when he came and brought light into the world, it was the light of deity, of God. It was the light of creation, of creative power. It was the light of life, of life-giving power. It was a light that could not fail. It was a light that could not be conquered. It was a light that would ultimately defeat darkness and sin and death. Jesus' mission would be fulfilled. So John says in John twelve thirty six, Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking Jesus left and hid himself from them. Jesus says in John 12:46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus came to rescue people from their sins. He came to rescue people from their darkness and to rescue them from death. John the gospel writer reveals to us that there was another man named John, whom we know is John the Baptist. In verse 6, when he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is referring to John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, that is John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. But the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. So John the Baptist was the witness pointing to the light. Jesus was and is the light. And his light giving is one that casts back, that overpowers, that pushes back and wins over the darkness. It is a light That through his life, through his ministry, through his death on the cross of Calvary, through his resurrection from the grave, through his ascension to the right hand of God over all principalities and powers, Jesus' light is one that wins, that is victorious over the forces of evil so that Jesus can say, the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. Jesus' word is powerful. It is light-giving. It is life-giving. So that Jesus can say in John 5, when the Son speaks, there are those who are going to be dead who will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live. He has that power. He has the power of that light to overcome and overpower the darkness. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is one and only one source of eternal life. That is Christ. There is one and only one source of light, and that is Jesus Christ every christmas every year this season we put up lights don't we we put up lights in our yards on our trees we put up christmas lights in our homes and wrap them around the christmas tree why is light such a symbol of the christmas season it's because of john 1 it's because of luke chapter 2 and matthew and the star that appeared there's there's many references to the idea of light surrounding the birth, the nativity of Christ. But ultimately, this Christmas, I want us to think about it from John's perspective. And every time we see a light that points to the manger, that points to Christ, let us remember that that child in the manger is also the eternal divine word, the Son of God, who through His life and death and resurrection is bringing light, deliverance from darkness to every one believes in him to everyone that Jesus calls out and says, wake up, arise from the dead, hear my voice and live to everyone that Jesus calls out in that way. They receive his light. They receive his life and they receive eternal life. And so Jesus Christ is the eternal divine word who created all things and came into the world through his incarnation to give life and light to all who believe. Jesus is not just a word. It's not just a label. Jesus is a person. And he is not just any person. He is the eternal, divine Son of God, who has all power all authority, all wisdom, and ultimately every knee in the universe will bow down before him. To those who see him for who he is, as John reveals him in his gospel, the Son of God, the Messiah, to those who see him as that by the grace of God, they receive his life, they receive his light and they will live forevermore. That's really what we're celebrating at Christmas. Because Jesus came as a baby to be born and live as a human being, but he came as that way for a purpose, didn't he? He came for a purpose, and that purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose was to fulfill the will of the Father and provide and accomplish an eternal everlasting sacrifice for God's people. He came to be our mediator, our representative. He came to be our deliverer, our savior. He came to be the one who rescues us out of our darkness and brings us into the light. That's why Jesus came. And so let us worship him as that this Christmas season. He is the eternal word who came to give life and light. To all who believe in him, let's bow in prayer together. Our father, we thank you so much for the honor and the privilege that we have to gather together as the children of God, as your people to worship, to sing songs and hymns of praise and Thanksgiving. We thank you for the privilege that we have to read the scriptures, your eternal word. We thank you that the scriptures reveal to us who you are, who your son and your spirit are, and that we may through you and through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we may have life and light. Father, many of us here this morning have had our eyes opened by your grace to see the light of Christ. And receive the life that he gives. But Father, there may be some who here this morning maybe have heard this message, have heard the gospel, understand the story of Christmas, but their eyes really haven't been opened to see and to believe that Jesus, the child in the manger, is their Savior. He's the Son of God. He is the light and life of the world. Father, I pray that you'd open their eyes this morning. Father, may we worship Christ, the newborn King, and may you receive all honor and glory. And we pray this through the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, amen.